Good morning. This is our DOLW Podcast 29, May the 3rd, 2021, in beautiful downtown Bertucky, right aside of me by Randy Engel. We're at page 810. Our vision is growing. We're sharing with you our experience of the Catholic life as little fish. We're in a a parish with big fish. And we'll share with you our experience, which is not the same as the narrative that the big fish tell the bishop. We're going to try to do 10 minutes of intro. We are evolving. Validation, invalidation. I talked to Teresa and John, and they are not getting validated in their efforts to podcast and her story by either the bishop or the parish priest, Father Steve. There's, in fact, been invalidations. We'll talk more about that. We'll talk about collateral damage, Bill's innocence, and uh, we're going to roam on that. We'll tell you more about that. So 10 minutes intro, 10 minutes read. 10 minutes commentary, doing good, knowing truth, our commentary, think about as we go into this, is there more inside the parish or outside the parish, meaning can you do good, more good inside the parish or outside the parish? As exiles, we can do more good outside the parish. That's not the way it's supposed to be. I asked Teresa that. That was her vote. She can do more good outside the parish. Knowing truth. Do you get more truth outside the parish or inside the parish? Again, my experience is the same as Teresa's. There's more knowing of truth outside the parish. I don't remember talking to John specifically about that, but I think he'd agree. We're now into where we're talking about wolves, not shepherds. And we have wolves, not shepherds. What do we, what do, we do about it? Volume 4, a 17-year effort of a good Catholic, Randy Engel. We're in Chapter 14 of her book, in a part where it says, Wolves Not Shepherd, Shepherds. We continue our discussion with our guest author. We say that because we're showing you, you can bring her in, buy the book, bring her in to your own podcast in your diocese or your part of the world. Bring in our author, Randy Engel. She's present to us in the written word. I leave you with a thought. Teresa and John and I believe it. We have a moral imperative, a duty to work for a church government that will confront evil. We have a moral imperative, a duty to work for a church government that will confront evil. We have a bishop that's saying, call 911. I think that's an admission his government doesn't work. We have a bishop where I'll uh, put some in the show notes, they were in the prior show notes, where he's fearful he has a concern. It's reported in the media. He has a concern about offending the aging elderly homosexual clergy. Teresa wrote a book about Father Cohen, the Gaylord Diocese here in Michigan, about how his vocation was become problematic when he raised concerns about his superior boss in the, par- in a, in the diocese touching him inappropriately. Another priest touching another priest. It didn't go well for the reporter. We don't want that. We want, to, we want the, the government to confront the evil and don't punish 
the reporter, someone who calls 911, you don't punish them. You look into the problem. I continue, is change necessary? This is our struggle against ecclesial corruption. What do we need to change? Well, the image I'm getting is call 911. Let's move forward. This is ancient history. This is history worth remembering, I would remind you. What is the BOLO program, BOLO system? If you complain, do they put you into the BOLO program without your knowledge? BOLO is a police term, security term, B-O-L-O, be on lookout. We've had Catholics who are fighting ecclesial corruption get placed in the BOLO program and not even know it. We think it's the right of the church to inform her members when an individual supervisor puts a parish little fish into the BOLO program. The little fish should be told that. What is the Rika doctrine? Do we have to worry about future Father Cohen's? Teresa will explain more about it, but you might look up on Amazon. She's got a book, A Parent's, A Mother's Perspective on Clericalism regarding Bishop Rika's treatment of poor Father Cohen. Let me give you some uh, thought process when you're listening to this podcast. Criminal justice and secular world has four goals. The criminal justice system. Four goals. So the judge is going to be sentencing you. You'll hear under the Michigan guidelines, he will say, this sentence is for the protection of society, for your rehabilitation, for your punishment, and for restitution. Let me repeat. Protection of society, rehabilitation, punishment, and restitution. Should we think more about these concepts for the church in our struggle against ecclesial corruption? Let me add on. Turning a blind eye to ecclesial corruption makes us or our neighbors the prey of demons. Let me suggest that. And or the plunder of the cruel. Have you thought about those two concepts? Two new concepts. Can you become the prey of demons? Can you become the plunder of the cruel? When our bishop turns a blind eye to ecclesial corruption, when our clergy turn a blind eye to ecclesial corruption, does that make us open season? Put a target on our back? You're on a low-info diet? You don't know right from wrong? You haven't been told what truth is? Christ has open wounds. You're one of those wounds because of your ignorance. And then you become the prey of demons to be deceived. Or to be the plunder of the cruel. Have you known cruel clerical leaders? I have. Cruel staffers? I have. Turning people away in need? You need something, they tell you to pray to God. When they need money, they come to you. They don't go to God. They come to you. We'll talk more about this. We have two sponsors. It's getting expensive. We're going to name our little podcast room the Fulton J. Sheen Coliseum. Might add on it, Bertucky. It may come up with different names because uh, we have competing sponsors. BigBank.com is one of our sponsors. And now we have the uh, new sponsor that's applied. And that is DirtyMiter.org. Dirty Miter is going to be a sponsor. 
Keep that in mind. It's ecclesial corruption, and we have a struggle. Just can't walk away. It'll be there. There is the empire of injustice and the dominion of the lie. All the saints faced it. We are fighting it. We hope to give you some practicality there. So I'm doing this intro for about 10 minutes. I think I've completed that. I'm going to get into that. So we've, I've completed that in about 8 minutes. So let me begin. Page 810. Bishop Ted Brown. Todd D. Brown. Todd Brown. A classmate of Roger Mahoney, William Lovada, and Justice Francis Regali at St. John's Seminary in Camarillo was part of the original gang of four. These guys know each other. They're classmates. They're in a fraternity. Let me continue. After St. John's Seminary, he attended Ryan Seminary in Fresno and later went to Rome to study at the North American College and the Greg in Rome. He was ordained to the priesthood on May the 1st, 1963 for the Diocese of Monterey and immediately began his career at the Chancery, where he served on a number of key posts, including Chancellor and Vice Vicar General. Three years after Archbishop Mahoney was installed in Los Angeles, Brown was ordained Bishop of Boise, Idaho, by Archbishop William Lovato. When the Diocese of Orange, California opened up in the fall of 1998, with the retirement of Bishop Norman McFarland, Mahoney secured the diocese for his longtime friend. Since Brown was installed as the third bishop of Orange, the diocese has become, more or less, an extension of Cardinal Mahoney's clerical empire. The Diocese of Orange exhibits the same pro-homosexual pederast pathologies that dominate the Diocese of Los Angeles, San Francisco, Santa Rosa, and most, if not all, Roman Catholic dioceses in California. While he was bishop of Boise in the fall, in the fall state election of 1994, Brown opposed ballot measure Proposition 1, which prohibited the inclusion of specific homosexual protection acts into Idaho law. Brown said he, was, he said he was against Proposition 1 because it would contribute to attitudes of intolerance and hostility in Idaho, directed at homosexual citizens, and was potentially discriminatory. Let me do a digression there. We're having attitudes of intolerance and hostility when we want to promote uh, a, a holy card of Mary, Mary of the Cross, Mary of the Seven Sorrows. We're getting intolerance and, and potentially discriminatory actions. So they're in the church. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. We lay people, the little fish, want parity with the big fish. And if the big fish can, can argue that there's potential discriminatory actions, we want to be able to argue the same. And we want to not get kicked out of the church or the community for it. I'll continue. <clears throat> in February 2000, during, the Cal during California's heated debate on Proposition 22 that banned homosexual marriage, Brown publicized two articles on the measure by Father Gerald D. Coleman, rector of St. Patrick's Seminary in Menlo Park, San Francisco. Although Coleman said he supported Proposition 22, he nevertheless argued some homosexual persons have shown that it is possible to enter into long-term, committed, and loving relationships, sometimes referred to as domestic partnerships. On the subject of criminal pederasty, Coleman said, psychosexual education and open dialogue are among the best ways to prevent inappropriate sexual behavior. 
This is an interesting comment at St. Patrick's Seminary, as St. Patrick's Seminary has the reputation for being another pink palace. Although Bishop Brown has not been moved to, by diocesan priests living openly as a homosexual cleric, let me speak. Although Bishop Brown has not been moved by diocesan priests living openly as homosexual clerics and flouting their vows of chastity, he has been moved by the high cost of homosexual pederastry in the Diocese of Orange. Let me digress. You remember me telling you that the pro-life groups are starting to look at the abortion, the pro, uh, pro-death, the culture of death and abortion as an industry, for a business, for money. When you turn, when you can eliminate the profit, they go away. When they can't make a dollar, they go away. It's the same in the church. There is some ecclesial corruption that feeds on money. Money is their mother's milk of that corruption. If you can gain control in your gifting, put conditions on your gifting, you can cut off your gifting until we are able to give you our guidelines, which they're under uh, production right now. There's a lot of different choices you have. But you don't have to bless sin with your money. It's not a, you don't have to do that. I continue. In August 2001, Cardinal Mahoney and Bishop Brown agreed to pay $5.2 million to settle a sex abuse lawsuit against Monsignor Michael Harris, the former principal of Santa Margarita Catholic High School from 1987 to 1994. Harris dubbed Mr. Hollywood because of his good looks is alleged to have molested, molested at least five teenage boys who came to him for spiritual counseling. Harris was removed from the active priesthood in 1994 and was laicized in 2001. On December the 3rd, 2004, Bishop Brown announced that the Diocese of Orange had reached an undisclosed settlement with 87 plaintiffs who had been sexually abused by 30 diocesan priests and about a dozen church employees. The amount is believed to exceed $85 million record payment by an American diocese. That's our money. Big fish are spending the savings of the little fish. Nobody asked me about it. Nobody asked our constituency about it. Let me tell you what's going on here too, which is just a, a, a lost on the map of knowledge. Let me unroll that. we take a look at the church Jesus has come as redeemer your father is trying to do something here govern creation and I suggest to you my offer of proof is he's trying to govern creation through your help and uh, that you're getting spiritual poor spiritual formations poor spiritual direction and that uh, I'm going to at the request I think Teresa's asked few questions about this I can revisit the uh, revisit the cisterns the leaking cisterns but then I want to launch off further in what happens when you have poor spiritual direction the purpose of this is not just negative it's to support it's very important that the Catholic Church survive and it will survive the Catholic Church is such a force for not just goodness but for truth People have died for the teachings, for Jesus Christ, for the goodness that the church represents, and for the truth the church represents. That the big fish come in, Japan lived for, and attacked the small fish, the little fish, rape and rob the little fish. Know this, that Japan survived 200 years without priests. Did you know that? 
Japan survived 200 years. And when they came back, after they were the clergy were expelled, they came back and the church was going. Baptized people, there's still a, a living entity there. So remember that. Very powerful to remember. So uh, poor spiritual directors is dealt with by our church. So let me lay the foundation. You, this, the point of origin, there's a geography in the mindset of the church. There is a point of origin, and there is, there is a terminus. And in between those two is called a via, the way. So it makes sense, the path. You'll see that if you go to Rome or Europe, they'll call it a via. The roads are a via. Beginning at point of origin, we were birthed by, uh, in, by God, and God will take care of us. And then we, our end point is with God. Mother Mary is not only the spouse of God, but the mother of God. And she ponders many things in her heart. She was present at the crucifixion. When the, the angel came to her, she pondered what the angel said, but she says, thy will be done. The Father's will be done. God's will be done. As it should be with you. But there's been a lot of effort to bring this church to you and the positive truth to you, and each generation passes it on to the next. Nothing that I give you is original with me. So just to recap in five minutes or less on, on these uh, leaking cisterns, this is important. In, I'll go from the physical world. I'll go then to the spiritual. I'll go from the point of origin to the terminus. I hope that's my plan. And above all, I ride for the Carmel brand. The other brands are going to start where you're at. It's a good te The teachers are always told, start where the student is at. Carmel's a little bit different. Carmel comes in. And it can be represented as an eagle that's above the fog. It starts with the Trinity. Carmel starts with the Trinity. Carmel believes that God can infuse simultaneously love. Can infuse like fire. Love, the heat of the fire, and light and knowledge. God can infuse love and knowledge simultaneously. So somebody out there, and that's the Carmel brand, Mary's order, we're going to start with the Trinity. So I may be, uh, you're going to have to grasp some of this. I'm going to try to do this for introductory individuals who are at the beginning, for those who are in the middle of their walk, life and the faith, and those who are, are more advanced. Beginning back to the cisterns. Cisterns will represent many things. So I want to implant this. Oh, you know, you have to hear it two or three times. Cisterns, cisterns. <laughs> Cisterns are not wells. They're not sources of water. Okay. They fill up with water. Some cisterns are good according to their nature. They act according to their nature. And that makes them good. When you act according to your nature, you're doing a good thing. The nature and the purpose, purpose according to your purpose. The nature and purpose of a cistern is to hold water it receives. And that's the nature of your soul. You're not the originer, originator of God, but you fill up with God. You have the ability to fill up with God. You have a capacity for holding God in. God never moves, by the way. You do. When you feel God close or far away, you're the one that's moved. God doesn't move. Now, that's from the Trinity, Carmel Brand. So you got that cisterns. They filled up with water. 
Some cisterns are good. We label them good because they meet the purpose and the end for which they were created, to hold water, so that in dry times we can reach that water. In a path or a travel, you can reach that water. There are cisterns that are not good. These cisterns are defective. Why are they not good? Because they do not, their existence is not according to their purpose. Their existence is not according to their nature. And they're not good and they leak out water. So they have defects. So in the ancient world, they, they noticed that some cisterns go dry that are not good. And some of them lose some of the water, but not all the water when they're lacking. And that lack is labeled a lack of capacity. A good cistern has the capacity to live <clears throat> according to its, to its end, to its purpose. Remember the origin? Of it? it had an origin. It was created for a purpose. That is its end. And that cisterns to hold water. The not-so-good cisterns are defective. They cannot live according. They lack the capacity to live or to exist according to their end point. They were created too. They have a beginning. Their end point, they have a capacity. They've lost that capacity through defects. So when you study it, you have a couple types of defects. If there is a leak, a crack at the bottom of the cistern, it loses all its water. Whatever water you put into it, it loses all its water. If, if there's the crack, a, a, a defect, they label cracks, they label cracks, and say the cistern is halfway up, say it's a six-foot cistern, and at the three-point there's a crack, the level of the water will never exceed three feet because it leaks out. So it has some capacity, but not full capacity. So that has a second type of defect along the wall. So the question becomes, can we turn a defective cistern into a good cistern? The answer is yes. You can repair the cistern. If the leak is at the bottom, you plug the leak. If the leak is halfway up, three foot, you plug that leak. And that's how you have the cistern so it contains uh, its water. Going over to the soul, it's called recollection. When you're recollected into God, when you're full of God, and we've felt recollection, some have. I would say you, you all have that potential. Potentiality for possessing God and being holy for every soul that's ever created is what it is to a rose. The rose has potentiality for blossoming. Some roses may not blossom, but holiness is to the human capacity what blossoming is to the rose. It is to blossom. You are to function as a good cistern and hold God. Be recollected in God. Your passions are on God. Doesn't mean you can't be a good spouse, a good wife. Doesn't mean you can't have children. It doesn't mean that uh, you can't function contrary to the marital act. No, but your passions are to be ordinate according to your way of life. And the church teaches us. It's such a powerful force for good in the world. And the truth in the world. That's why we're fighting ecclesiastical corruption. Ecclesial corruption. Could be ecclesiastical. Uh, could be the, the leaders. Could be the staff. But it's because it's very powerful. 
And that church is the body of Christ. And it has wounds. And some people are saying, just ignore the wound. It'll go away. It's Jesus. Oh, the wounds, they're ancient history. Ignore them. The polls tell us that the wounds don't count. The polls are not our teacher. The church is our teacher. Jesus Christ is your teacher. This is very powerful. You don't have to go on a, a, a crusade like they did in, to, in the early age, age uh, in the Middle Ages to suffer for the faith. You just walk out your front door and you will suffer for your Christian faith. You don't have to go on a crusade. So we continue on. So you understand there are good cisterns and there are defective cisterns that don't function according to the owner's manual. It's the same with you. Now, what does it look like from the Trinity when we begin to consider you and the church? And how do we go from bad to good, good to better, better to best? Process of holiness, sanctification, dressing the bride in holiness. <coughs> and we're going to talk about bad spiritual directors. We're going to talk about good spiritual directors. And we're going to talk about you. Let's again, from the standpoint of the Trinity, again, I would dispute with Father Bishop Barron, who says in terms from the clergy, these are our people. No, they're not your people. They are God's people. I'm God's. I don't want to be one of your people, Bishop Barron. You tend to rape and rob your people. God's people, you're gonna, you should have some fear to rape and rob God's people because there's going to be punishment. And we'll talk about that. That's what your church teaches. The saints teach that. That's why you don't hear this from your priests. You just ask these questions. I'll show you. We'll show you how to do interrogatories on our website, which is under construction, and uh, some of our tapes. So books at Amazon. So uh, we got God, and I want you to consider it like we're in a forest where there's trees, that, large trees. That's you. These are the souls. You And uh, with the aid, that's why we have priests. Our father has people working in the vineyard, working in the forest to, to help our father wants to possess these trees. He wants to get inside them. He wants to transform them into a likeness of himself. You got that? So some people, and that's why you have the, the, the clergy who are to aid you in this transformation process. Transformation is key. It is so problematic, and it starts not with where you're at. It starts with the Trinity. This is, this is a very pro big problem. You won't be able to hide from this. You won't be able to build a lead room to hide from it. God has an attribute, and that attribute is diffusion. He cannot but be himself. Just like you take a drop of red dye in a gallon of water, it will dispute. You just set it there. Put it in a red dye and watch it. Give it some time. It'll go throughout that entire glass of water, the entire gallon. Our Father diffused himself into creation with a drop of blood one word he spoke and that word was jesus christ diffusing his inner life into creation and the fullness of that inner life is found in the catholic church that's why it's worth fighting for very powerful diffusion start with the trinity and that that it's natural law guys it's law the law of diffusion if I drop dead tomorrow or you drop dead tomorrow, that law of diffusion is going to take God out there. That's why you cannot, you have to be very careful when your loved ones commit suicide or 
you know, in, in mental illness, something's going on. God is diffusing. He's looking. Even when that body shuts its eyes, those last moments, you don't know what's going on between that God, between God and that soul. And the one thing you want to say, if you are there with somebody dying, mercy, Jesus, repeat those words. I am in Jesus. Jesus is in me. Mercy, Jesus. Repeat. You're talking to someone who's at their deathbed. Mercy, Jesus. Jesus, mercy. And whatever's going on, they'll hear that. That because God is pushing to get into that soul. And it just has to open up. So there is, uh, it's a sin to commit suicide. Bad, bad thing. But you don't know at the end which individual has asked for mercy which hasn't so and that gets back to that law of diffusion you can't tell god where to diffuse that that's why his lovers can you know, a lover of god who makes a capacity the saints will tell us can command god why because the god come in i've made room for you you can command god the creature bossing around the creator because of the law of god that's how powerful the catholic church's teachings are the truth is and they lock it up you just got to release Jesus Christ from his cage. They lock it up. Let me continue on with this forest. I'm going to introduce this concept. We'll come back to it. But uh, this is a request. It goes out to Teresa and John to touch on these things. I'm not worthy of, I'm not up to this. I haven't really <clears throat> studied this. So I'm on, I got this request an hour ago. So, and all my, this is not my knowledge. It's the church's knowledge. I get it from others. So you, so the, think of the clergy and staff as these woodcutters. They go out. There's like seven classes of them. This is classic Carmelite spirituality. Classic uh, uh, John of the Cross. And I'll, he talks about this. I'm not making this up. So the woodcutters go and cut the wood. That's you. Now we got the wood. That's the point of origin. Now we're going to work with that wood. But I want to tell you the pathway is through these spiritual directors, the intermediary. That's the church, the via, the pathway. There's faith and there's the life of faith. All right, what is the end point? And I thank Teresa for this. She brought this out. I don't want to say she took me to the woodshed, but she was challenging to me this morning. So uh, the end point of this wood I want you, for our purposes, to consider the Holy Spirit as fire that has another ability to transform anything the Holy Spirit touches into a likeness of itself. But here's the rub. According to your preparation. You got that? According to your preparation. So the end point, and, and let me tell you about the fire. Fire has light. It has heat, and it has a color. The light is not the fire. The fire exists. The heat is not the fire. It exists. It's an attribute of the fire. It exists independent of the fire. And the color is not the fire. That's the trinity, that fire. Let me get back to the wood. The wood is going to ultimately end up being touched by fire. And I didn't answer this question. I mean, I, I, did, I, did, I did it very poorly. But So and if you've ever been at a campfire and you watch the wood, that's your soul being touched by God. That's why we, want, uh, uh, we don't want corruption in the church because this corruption in this process is, is, is catastrophic to the progress of the, of, the, of the soul. And God's not a happy camper with that. John the Cross makes it very clear. 
John Paul II made it very clear. The church teaches on this. It's not good. And the Bible says these men that mess with this process, like a millstone tied to their neck, thrown overboard into water. Watch how this goes. The end is that when the fire touches, comes into your life, you go, let's, let's assume that you are on the breast milk. You're an infant soul. You're on the breast suckling. Okay. You come off that breast and you now have to eat solid food. We're now on solid food where you're going to be transformed. The fire touches you. God comes into your life and gives you one thing and not another. And you want the other. You're like a teenage kid. God's carrying you and you're kicking and screaming. God's carrying you. Fire touches the log. The first time the log is touched by the fire, it's not prepared. <clears throat> so the fire has to prepare it. Remember, the Holy Spirit will transform anything it comes into contact with into a likeness of itself according to the preparation of the soul. You prepare for that Holy Spirit by being chased, not having the passions of these clergy leaders, not being like an Eli who is indifferent to his sons Phineas and Hophni who are seeking wealth and illicit sex. You got that? You're beginning to dry up your passions and have a passion for God, fall in love with God. You got that? So now, this fire touches the log. At the first time it does, it's not going to be well received by the log because the log is green. And it's going to, be, it's going to struggle with this fire. It's going to struggle with God and the demands of the fire. Just like your soul will. That struggle is, will, be, will take on hissing. There will be smoke. And there will be hissing. But after some time, this is the classic teaching, folks, of ascetical theology. When, when you're doing your fasting or whatever it is you're depriving yourself of, and the number one thing, if you don't know what to do, work on patience. It'll, put your, it'll combust your soul. So this, this fire pretty soon starts to smoke, and pretty soon it dries out that log. God is trying to dry out your passions. Bishop Barron, God's not looking at the poles, okay? We're getting our teaching from God, not the poles. The poles are like asking the green log what it would like. It doesn't want that fire. That's why it sputters and smokes. And folks, that's why we have elected as Catholics some people to go away and talk because it's not popular to talk like this. That's why we have men that talk like this that don't have wives in the perfect world to imitate Jesus Christ because they can then be very pure in their presentation of truth. They don't have to mitigate it based on their uh, babies and the friends of their babies. Fire touches that wood and it will guarantee that green wood will hiss and sputter and smoke. And then it will catch fire. Not all over, but in the beginning it will catch fire. And that wood will, will be worked by the fire until it transforms. There is a, like a complete transformation when the wood is in the deepest center of the fire. And in the coals of that fire, you cannot, sometimes when you've seen the fire so hot, you can't tell, you can't distinguish the flame from the coal, the very tip, because there's been a transformation. That's your soul. Do you know in the saints, saints are not all equal. Not every saint is totally transformed. There are three levels. Look at the choirs of angels, nine uh, choirs three you know those nine choirs are divided three three and three that's why you got the nine what distinguishes one from another 
one saint from another, the capacity to serve. That's why Mary, the graces that Mary has, her possession of God exceeds all the priests that ever were and all the priests that ever will be. Her sanctification, her holiness, her possession of the perfections of God are that great. I ride for the Carmel brand. Make sure you check out with the Dominicans. Make sure they tell you whether or not I'm telling the truth. Check it. You're supposed to check it. Think about what we're talking about. That's the message. That's worth fighting for. That's why Molokai, that's why Father uh, 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 Damien went on, on Molokai to take care of the lepers. Was he seeking comfort? Oh, no. Mary at the cross, did she... Was she seeking comfort? Was she trying to deprive Jesus of his cross? No. She was there. She was a witness. She didn't even wipe his face. She let the Veronica participated in that. There's a powerful, powerful message. The Catholic Church. Jesus Christ is the remedy for all your ails, for all your problems. All right, I did my outro and I combined that with the intro. And we didn't do 10 minutes talking. But I think that's enough. Pray for us, we pray for you. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Let me repeat, for our diocese, there are many out there that are afraid of the demons. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Protector of the Holy Family. Protect us. Let Teresa know. You want some more talk about the strength, the power, the power of saints over demons. John the Cross said that a soul united to God is more awesome than an army in full battle array. You need holiness, folks. We don't need more poles. We need holiness. That requires the cross. That requires transformation. And we'll go through part two of this woodcutters and the spiritual directors who are doing a poor job. They don't know about this process. They don't teach about it. And they're fearful of losing you. They'll tell you in your spiritual direction, we'll peel an orange. And you'll come back and say, I peeled the orange. They'll say, we'll peel it again. That's not their answer. They're supposed to release you to someone who has more skills than they do. They can only take you so far. They're supposed to be able to recognize that and release you. And they don't. You know why? Because the polls tell them they do better with the bishop if they are making money and their populations go up. Sad, sad, sad. We'll comment more on that later. Thank you. Bye-bye.